the baby boomers led waves of dramatic culture changes. Their voices raise awareness of consumerism, retirement programs, higher education, health care, and civil rights transformations. Now, the baby boomers have reached an age where it is our turn to give back to them for their voices, their struggles, and their footprint on the society we benefit from today. Boomer Living Podcast is dedicated to the support and the enhancement of senior living and the baby boomers' needs and demands. We welcome conversations between caregivers, providers, gerontologists, geriatricians, neurologists, technologists, developers, and operators with one objective to serve our baby boomers. By bringing together these experts and the baby boomers' families, we can share our knowledge that will educate and inspire others on how to care for the baby boomers. We're a social platform that focuses on the respect and care of this aging population that gave their youth and their wisdom to the society we benefit from today. Today, my guest is Abby Miller-Levy. She is a wellness executive and co-founder of Primetime Partners, a venture capital firm. She will share with us about her mission in building and investing in products, services, and technologies for the older adults. Her business partner is Alan Petrikov. He is one of America's most iconic investors, co-founder of Graycroft with $2 billion in assets under management. Alan is also Apex Partners founder with $50 billion in assets under management. Primetime Partners is a venture capital firm that will focus on seed and early stage investments in products, services, technologies, and experiences for the older adults. This includes aging in place, financial security for retirees, care management, longevity health services, and enriching consumer experiences for this underserved population. In addition, the firm will invest in older adults who are forming new companies to capitalize on their experiences in earlier careers. Thank you so much, Abby, for your time and to share with us your work in uh, helping the older adults with Primetime. She's going to share with us a little bit more about how the idea of Primetime was conceived. Can you give us uh, the background about that? Great. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for for opening up the the floor to us. Primetime Partners is an investment fund focused on new products, services, and experiences for older adults. And the fund was really formed between myself and my partner, Alan Patrickoff. I come from it from as a founder and an operator, and he comes at the space as an investor. He, at age 85, has been a very successful uh, investor uh, in both uh, building a business called Graycroft Partners and before that, Apex. And myself, I've been involved with building brands such as OXO, the kitchen tools and gadgets business, Thrive Global, a wellness business, and SoulCycle. And where this idea essentially came from was uh, both of us independently acknowledging that when you think about the number of startups and new businesses being started in our country, there are very few, a handful to date, that focus on the experience for older adults. Despite the fact that older adults are growing to be 25% of our population, are two-thirds of the net worth of our country, over two-thirds the healthcare spend of our country. So it's a very important population that we feel hasn't gotten enough interest from founders as well as investors. Why do you think companies focusing on products and services for older people have been historically underdeserved in venture capital money? So let's say a less informed investor might think this space has been historically ignored. So what makes you want to defy this trend? 
So I think there's two sides to it. I think that investors have been very interested in this uh, demographic shift and I've been looking for businesses, but their issue has been really more around the supply, that there haven't been enough entrepreneurs developing new businesses in the space. And we're starting to see that change, certainly with COVID and, and more publicity being and, and kind of attention and conversation around uh, how do we think about aging in this country. But I also think a part of the reason it hasn't attracted as much founder attention is that there are a few myths that are perpetuated about older adults. Uh, one myth is that they don't use technology. So if you don't use technology as a founder, how do you reach a that consumer if you can't reach them on Facebook or Instagram. So that's one myth that I think is, is misplaced. I think a second is that because older adults are on fixed or declining incomes, that oftentimes they're viewed as less desirable customers because they either aren't willing to pay, aren't willing to try new things, or have a shorter lifespan as a customer. And then I think the third area is that people haven't really thought more creatively about pricing models and revenue models in terms of finding alternative customers. Perfect example is there's 50 million family caregivers in the U.S. These are folks who take care of their loved ones, who are uncompensated, typically untrained, but really looking for better tools and services. And so this is an untapped market within this overall space of aging. To to sum it up, I think that there have been a lot of myths or uh, stereotypes about the market that have made it appear less attractive than it actually is. Okay. So what made you decide to focus on initial seed and early stage investments rather than something that's more established companies? It's a great question. I think there's probably two reasons. One is I think that's where we see the biggest opportunity for for growth in terms of there are a lot of new entrants into the space and they need the support, not just the financial support and capital, but also the uh, type of experience that Alan and myself bring to the table around helping with distribution and marketing and brand um, and elements around product. So I think part of it is that we see that there's an opportunity to really build out a whole new uh, category here. And then I think the second thing is also based on my background as a founder myself, it's where I like to spend my time. And I think there's a part of it as this is our first fund, but we view ourselves as building an investment platform. So that's not to say we won't be in our next funds continuing to you know, try new stages of growth, maybe later stage. Sure. So how do you think the macro trends in the world today, like the rate at which our population is aging in medical technology, how do you think that will help primetime partners succeed? Um, well, a couple of things. I think the, the macro trends have been something that it's not new. The World Health Organization publishes a report on population growth every decade. So this is not a surprise to the world. But I think what's different is that the economic stress that it can create at a macro level in terms of the fact that half of older adults uh, in our country don't have enough money to live to last their lifetime. That is a major financial crisis looming for this population on top of which you've added COVID. So I think how it changes the government, our large healthcare organizations, our large financial institutions to be a lot more interested in innovating, innovative solutions, because the status quo just won't work. The the numbers, the math, as someone once told me who is in government, the math doesn't add up. And so we're going to need innovative solutions. And I think we're seeing some of our larger entrenched government and private sector organizations being much more interested in innovation, even if that means acquiring or partnering with startups. So I think that is something that is certainly helpful to, to our ability to build a portfolio of companies that ultimately have customers and, and acquirers. I think the second thing about the macro 
uh, kind of environment is that we, everyone, this issue affects everybody. So the fact that half of a, of people in this uh, born today will live to be over a hundred. That's staggering. As we think about our whole retirement system is all catered around the numbers 1665. And yet half of people born today will live to be hundred, actually 104 is the number. So what are we designing? What are we doing to accommodate the fact that our lifespan has gone from what was only 20 years ago in our mid sixties to now late seventies. And again, we'll be pushing a hundred in just a couple decades. So I think that is a very, the longevity issue is a very big, not just a trend, it's a big reality that that there will be a whole crop of product services and experiences to really fill that gap. I wholeheartedly believe in everything that you're saying. So thank you. So there, there's a misconception that the older people want to retire and relax for their later years of their lives. Yeah. And then here's Alan. He's 85, starting a new venture fund. Do you think older adults are misunderstood in the business community? I think it's a gross, it's a, it's a broad statement. I think that the value that older adults can contribute is underrepresented in every community. And if we think about that thousands of years ago, when we were a more tribal society, that older adults were the leaders, they were our elders, they were the ones who were the teachers, the managed the, the trade, the finances, they had the most important roles in society. And now the people don't look to older adults to fill those roles in the same way. Mm-hmm. There's also some interesting in, uh, data to show that older adult founders are those who are 60 are three times as successful as those who are 30 because they have the wisdom, the judgment, the network, and the kind of pattern recognition, if you will, mm-hmm. to be very successful building businesses. I think the challenge in the workplace is there is a real structural issue around the fact that if we keep increasing salaries as people age with us, the incentives are always going to be to hire a less experienced, lower paid worker who can do maybe not the same job, but good enough. And so I think there's some structural issues that need to be handled in terms of compensation that that really allow for older adults to be able to stay in the workforce in more flexible ways. As far as the older people running startups, what do you think they bring to the table that entrepreneurs straight out of college can't? I can give you a concrete example. One of our investments is a business called Project Well, which is a food as medicine business that targets health plans and providing them with telehealth of of a dietitian or nutritionist, plus a matching system for plan members to then go ahead and secure healthful meals that are delivered. And so the founder, she's an experienced executive and really has been conceptualizing this business. And so what she brings to the table is she brings, first of all, wonderful distribution relationships because she has a peer group that have now become the customers for this product who are other executives at health plans. And so the distribution is and network is really interesting and exciting. The patients building a, a, a startup takes both conviction and patience. And the patience is making sure that you're getting all the building blocks. And so I find that if this entrepreneur is representative of, of many older adults, there is a sense of how do we make sure we've got the right foundation And then I think the third piece is that she has spent a lot of time to become an expert in the space. And so that expertise is very helpful and relevant, not just in selling, but also in terms of her ability to anticipate what's coming around the corner. So if I had to say network, 
more focus on foundation and the building blocks of a business and profitability, and also certainly uh, wisdom that helps in terms of being forward thinking. What I'm hearing is knowing the market, the product, the relationship with the clientele, and the wisdom and experience. And when you sum it all up, that comes with age. It can, yes. There's a common belief that young people are better at disrupting stagnant industries because they see things from a fresh perspective. And older entrepreneurs, I think they're just as capable. But on a similar light, young people may be more willing to take risks with new businesses because they have less to lose. Fewer assets, they aren't tied down by family commitments, and they don't have a reputation on the line. Do you think it would be more challenging to find older entrepreneurs willing to take the big risk? I think it is more challenging to find older entrepreneurs, partially because of that, partially because they don't view it as an option set. And you have to wonder, is it because they're risk averse or because there's not as, they don't have a peer group of, 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 of people. So if you think about a lot of founders who are freshly out of their MBA programs, they've just spent two years talking with all their friends about what business they're going to start. There's a peer group, there's a movement, there's an acceptance of this is what you're doing. If you then turn to someone who's in their sixties, who are a lot of their friends are starting to retire or to kind of scale back their work, it really takes a tremendous amount of passion and focus and energy and ambition to say, I'm going to buck the trend. As part of it might be risk aversion, but I think it's also a question of, of peer group and encouragement. And if you don't have those around you who are in that space, there's many founders I've met who they feel like they don't have a group that they're doing this with, which is why one of the things we're considering is creating a, a business plan competition for older adults to move toward to having more working with a few incubators, because it is really important to have community when you're building a business, because building a business can be very lonely. So what do you think as far as the future hold for venture capital? We continue to see investments in technology for older adults and companies running run by older adults, older entrepreneurs? Well, listen, we hope so. I mean, if, if there's no statistics that are public today, but, you know, best guess entrepreneurs who are even just 50, even 50 plus that they probably are under 50%, sorry, under 5% of, of startups funded, it would be my guess. So for us, as we look at our portfolio and in our fund, we'll probably have about 25 investments. We'd really like to see that number for us being closer to 15 or 20% at the minimum, because we think it's, first of all, we think they'd be great to back and good investments, but also uh, really important as we think about the role that Primetime plays as a thought leader in the space, really showcasing and creating new role models for what this third chapter of life can look like. As far as aging, the aging journey, and longevity. Do you have any personal thoughts on that? Not to get, you know, philosophical, but there, there's a book called Being Mortal by Atul Gawanda, which talks about fundamentally, particularly Americans' inability to talk about death and discomfort with death. And I think as I look at this space, historically, the private sector involvement has all been around how do we prolong your life mm -hmm. at the lowest possible cost? Mm -hmm. And I think the way that I look at it is how do we maximize our lives at the highest value, not just to yourself, but to the, 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 yourself and those around you. around you. And 
for me, I'm 45. I'm squarely, as I think, at the midpoint of, of, of life. And so I look at it, you know, in starting a new business at my age to say, what is my next chapter? And that there are a lot of chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's how I view things. But the same token, I'm very lucky. I don't have any health issues. And so it's very easy as a healthy person to talk about quality of living. But when so many Americans are afflicted by multiple chronic diseases that are to some extent inevitable as we age, because biology is biology, even with the best science, our face wrinkles, just the way our face wrinkles, the rest of our organs and body parts age. And so it's also easy for me to talk about quality of living when I'm not afflicted by anything impeding that right now. So I hope that stays the case. But my outlook is this is really about maximizing our experience, not extending it. Mm-hmm. I agree. My personal take on that is, you know, we can live as long uh, as we hope to live, but I think it's also the quality of life in parallel to the length of life. But I think mostly every place along the way, whether you're 30s, 40s, 50s, like I am, I'm in my mid 50s, it's about embracing, honoring, and celebrating at every place in life. If I were to pass on anything to my kids who are in their 20s, is to recognize whatever place that you are, maximize that, be impactful, not only for your own life, but the people around you. So I think that's the component, the culture that I think we should close that gap and trying to educate folks is look at the older generations as your future. How you impact them is likely your kids will likely do the same for you. It's kind of full circle. That's my yeah, opinion. yeah, absolutely. Do you have any other thoughts that you want to share? I, I think really the thoughts are more, you know, that when we talk about seniors or older adults, it always it feels like such a monolithic or uniform term and that it's such a heterogeneous group. You're not defined by age. You're not, def- even though that's the way in some ways our society has defined you in a way that is so different from any other age group. And it, that's not what it's about. It is about picking your path. And I think that's the part that I really love about Alan and my narratives is we're picking our path at this point in our careers. We're hoping to build businesses that unlock potential for older adults. And I would just would encourage anyone who has a business idea or wants to get more involved to email us at hello at Primetime Partners. And we'll see if there's a way that you can get involved. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your mission and best of luck to you. Thank you. Great to meet you. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Boomer Living Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, boomerliving.tv, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and other platforms. This way, you'll never miss a show. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, we would really appreciate a rating in iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us tremendously. Be sure to tune in weekly for our next episode. And remember, growing old is the purest and the most positive experience of human existence.